That was almost cute. <laughs> say, uh-huh, not uh-uh. <laughs> can you say you're a new creation? Can you, can you say that you're redeemed, bought back? Can you say that you're a child of God? That is what you need to, to clarify in your life today. You need to come to the conclusion today that your identity is in Jesus Christ. And I pray that by the end of this service today, you're going to be able to say that. And that if you are indeed a child of God, you can know that the past is behind you. That it's time to move forward in the name of Jesus. Amen? Amen? Amen. All right. Nobody's got a past like your pastor has a past. Amen? And I'm thankful that my slate has been wiped clean, that I have a new identity in Jesus Christ, and I live because I'm taking my sin seriously. I'm taking my relationship with, with Christ seriously. And so for that reason, uh, I am living for Him and pray you are too. Now, as we saw last week, there is no failure, there is no mistake, there is no sin that cannot be resolved through the grace of God. Does that comfort you? Nothing you can do. There's nothing in your past. There's nothing you've done wrong that cannot be resolved through the grace of God. Even in Achor. You remember where Achor is? Achor was the valley of trouble where they buried Achan after he sinned. Even the valley of trouble can be turned into a door of hope through the grace of God. A gentleman named F.W. Robinson was a pastor and Bible teacher back during the Civil War. And just before the Civil War broke out, he preached a series of messages about and through the book of Joshua. Now, the main focus of his messages was, it's not whose side the Lord is on, it's are you on the side of the Lord? And friend, you need to clarify that and you need to be able to answer that question in your life before you walk out those doors today. Whose side are you on? Are you on the Lord's side? And in a sermon that he preached on August the 12th in 1849, he made an amazing point. And that point was that life is a lot like war. That's kind of an interesting correlation. Life is a lot like war. Life, like war, is a series of mistakes. Anybody besides me made a mistake in their life? Wow, you bunch of wretched sinners. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord, this is a hospital for sinners. Life, like war, is a series of mistakes, but listen carefully. One is not the best Christian one is not the best general because you don't make any mistakes. You're not the best Christian because you have made the fewest mistakes. Even somebody living, living a mediocre life can be that. Even the unexceptional can be that. But the best Christian, the best general, is the one who recovers from the most mistakes. The one who makes victories out of mistakes. I pray that today you are making victories out of mistakes through the grace of God. You can be unex unexceptional. 
if you don't make any mistakes because chances are you're risking nothing. So forget the mistakes. What your focus needs to be on is organizing victories out of the mistakes you've made. And we just acknowledge that every one of us have made them. Therefore, we got a lot of organizing to do. Amen? Let's organize victories out of our mistakes. And Joshua would have agreed. Joshua would have agreed that we need to make victories out of mistakes because in chapter 8, that's exactly what he did. He allowed the Lord to organize a great victory out of a humiliating mistake, a horrible failure. When, he, when we have made a mistake, when we have dropped the ball, when we have committed sin, when we have suffered a defeat, the devil likes to tell you this. You've blown it. You'll never be able to be used by God. But it's a lie straight from hell. And when we have made a mistake and when we have suffered a defeat, what we do next is up to us. You can't sit around and wait for the mistake to be converted. What we do next is up to us. You can live in that defeat if you want to. You can live in that sinful lifestyle if you want to. What, is up, what you do next is up to you, but I pray that by God's grace you will learn from it and you will move forward just like Joshua did. Amen? Amen. Friends, if, I know that we should never seek to fail. I mean, when I woke up this morning, I did not desire to blow it. I did not desire to fail. So I don't seek to fail, but listen to this carefully. Failure can be a backdoor to success. Failure can be a backdoor to success. If you're willing to seek the forgiveness of God, if you're willing to move forward and deal with your sin the way that God specifies, then your failure, your defeat, can be a backdoor to success. So today, I want to give you five secrets that will help you bounce back from a setback. Bounce back from a setback. First of all, to bounce back from a setback, first of all, remember that God never, say never, God never forsakes his children even when they fail. Listen in Joshua chapter 8, the very first part of that verse. Now Joshua said, or the Lord said to Joshua, Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. You see, as I mentioned, when, when we sin, what the devil loves to whisper in our ear is, Man, you have messed up big time and God ain't going to use you. But that's not the truth. Following this humiliating defeat at Ai, God specifically reminded Joshua of something that he promised him a while back. In Joshua 1.9, listen to this promise from God, and I believe he promises us the same thing as children of God. Listen to what he said in Joshua 1.9. God said, have I not commanded you to be strong and to be courageous? Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. That's exactly what he said here in verse 1 of chapter 8. Don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed. Why? Because the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. That means even when you blow it, God is with you wherever you go. Now, you cannot be in fellowship with God while you're living a lifestyle of sin. 
So don't think that this promise uh, allows you to sin any way you want to. That's just not the case. But Joshua was promised by God that God would never leave him, never abandon him, so he needn't be afraid. He needn't be dismayed. See, God doesn't repeal his promises just because we fail. God doesn't take away his promises just because we sin. But think about in the Israelites' case, morale in the camp was low. Same thing happens to us. When we start living a lifestyle of sin, man, our morale hits the floor. We start getting depressed. We start getting down on ourselves, on other people. I mean, look else, what else happened. I mean, not only was morale at an all-time low, but Joshua was never more insecure as a leader than he was during this time. So he was insecure, he was, that morale, his, his uh, encouragement was low, and I, for one, am comforted. I'm comforted by the knowledge that God doesn't permanently withdraw his presence when I fail. Notice I said permanently. Because he's not going to be in the presence of sin, we know that. But he doesn't permanently withdraw and say, you've sinned, you've blown it, you're defeated, you failed, forget it, I want nothing more to do with you. You never have to worry about your God saying that. God never forsakes his children even when they fail. But to bounce back from a setback, we must also learn something real important. And it's something that every one of us have done, and that is, don't repeat the same mistakes twice. Ever done it? Raise your hand if you've done it. Do you, what, what is with that? What is up with repeating the same mistake twice? Did you enjoy the consequences so much you just had to get you some more of that? I mean, what is with that? Why do we do that? I mean, here we have a book. A book filled with the mistakes of God's people. And what do we do? We repeat the same mistakes that God's people have made over and over and over again. So we have to learn not to repeat the same mistakes. Look at what God said to Joshua in the first verse there, chapter 8. He said, not only do I not want you to be afraid, do I not only not want you to be dismayed, he also said, take all the people of war with you. God's word to Joshua was to use all the fighting men of Israel. You may remember that before the, the spies came back and said, man, AI's men of war are so weak, that town is so little, all you got to do is send about three grand. There's about 3,000 people up there. We got them whooped. This time God said, send them all. Send a whole army. This time take the whole army into AI. Now, we know that the primary cause of the defeated AI was Achan's sin. Achan's sin caused God not to be present with them. But also we know that Israel underestimated the enemy. Man, those were some tough warriors. AI was tough. But they also overestimated the 3,000 people they sent. And they also presumed that God was going to be with them even if there was sin in the camp. That wasn't the case. Do Christians ever repeat some of the same mistakes that God's people have made? I'm afraid we do. We have to learn to stop repeating the same mistakes twice. What is one of the greatest problems in America today? 
repeating the same mistakes that other empires in world history have made. Whether it's in their sexuality, whether it's in the way they treat their citizens, whatever the case may be, we see that we're heading down the same path that Rome went down. The same path that mighty Greece went down. The same path. We have to avoid repeating the same mistakes. I read about a series of advertisements in a daily newspaper, and it went something like this. Monday's paper read, The Reverend A.J. Jones has one color TV for sale. Phone 626-1313 after 7 p.m. and ask for Mrs. Donnelly, who lives with him, cheap. Tuesday's paper came out and it said, We regret any embarrassment caused to the Reverend A.J. Jones by the topographical error in yesterday's paper. The ad should have read, The Reverend A.J. Jones has one color TV for sale cheap, phone 626-1313, and ask for Miss Donnelly, who lives with him after 7 p.m. <laughs> Wednesday comes along and the Reverend A.J. Jones informs us that He's received several annoying phone calls as a result of yesterday's incorrect ad. The Reverend, the phone, or the ad should have read, the Reverend A.J. Jones has one color TV for sale cheap, phone 626-1313 after 7 p.m., and ask Miss Donnelly who loves with him. <laughs> Thursday's paper come out, and it said, please, please take notice that I, Reverend A.J. Jones, have no color TV for sale. I've smashed it. Don't call 626-1313 anymore. I have not been carrying on with Miss Donnelly. She was until yesterday my housekeeper. Friday's paper comes out. Wanted. A housekeeper. Usual housekeeping duties. Good pay and love. Reverend A.J. Jones. Phone 626-1313. You know, mistakes are inevitable. We're going to make them. Mistakes are coming. But repeating mistakes is just plain careless. Do you get that? Brother Howe, can you go back to the original slide on this? I know y'all have seen this on Facebook because I've seen it a dozen times. You fail the first time, it's a mistake. You know better now. You do the same thing again, you've made a decision. You've made a decision. Think about this. How often do we fail unnecessarily by making the same mistake twice? To bounce back from defeat, you better start listening to God. You better start obeying him fully and stop repeating the same mistakes twice. But also to bounce back after a setback, we also may need to return to the scene of a previous defeat. Look there at the end of verse 1 in chapter 8 and we'll read to the end of verse 2. For God told Joshua, Arise and go up to Ai... See, I have given into your hand the king of Ai, his people, his city, and his land. And you shall do to Ai and and its king as you did to Jericho and its king. Only the spoil and its cattle you shall take as booty or or a plunder 
for yourselves, lay an ambush for the city behind it. So Joshua is told to go back up to the city of Ai again. Go to the place where he suffered a humiliating defeat again. Go back to the place of defeat because now things are different. Now they're in a right fellowship with God and they have the power of God with them as they go. Christians, listen up. If you're listening, say amen. amen. Expect defeat if you choose to be out of fellowship with God. Just know this. You're going to fail if you try to walk this Christian life out of fellowship with God. God has promised to turn the place of defeat into a place of victory, but you're not going to do it without Him. You're not going to do it without the power of God. Look at this. With the power of God, the incredibly protected city of Jericho fell in ruins. But without God, even this puny town of Ai whooped them bad. Israel now understood that they needed God's power in order to take this city, even for this little city. God's people are entirely dependent upon the power of God, listen to this, for any success. A big one, a God-sized success, or even a little one. Any success is going to come by the power of God being manifest through you. Not only would there be victory in the place of defeat, but the Lord also gave the Israelites permission to take up plunder this time. It reminds me of old Achan from last week, you remember? He went ahead and stole some stuff from Jericho because he wanted it so bad. Not because he needed it, because he was greedy for it. Just think, had Achan just waited, just waited till the next conquest, instead of being led by greed and selfishness, then he would have been able to have all he wanted from Ai. But that's not what happened. So sometimes we've got to return to the scene of a previous defeat. But you know what? To bounce back after a setback, sometimes recovery of lost ground is going to be costly. Sometimes recovery of lost ground is going to be downright painful. There is no erasing the fact that 36 men lost their lives the first time Israel tried to take Ai. 36 people were killed because of their disobedience, because of their rebellion. But it's neat to me that God uses that, that first defeat, that previous defeat, as a springboard to victory. Listen to what happens. In verse 3 uh, and, and going on, listen to what the Bible says. Uh, so Joshua arose and all the people of war to go up against Ai, and Joshua chose 30,000 mighty men of valor. So he went from 3,000 to 30,000. I think he was listening to God, amen? So he went to 30,000 men of valor and sent them away by night. And he commanded them, saying, Behold, you shall lie in ambush against the city, behind the city. Only do not go very far from the city, but all of you be ready. 
And then I and all the people who are with me will approach the city, and it will come about that when they first come out against us, as they did at the first, we shall run away from them. We shall flee from them. For they will come out after us until we have drawn them from the city, and then they will say, Ah, <laughs> they're fleeing before us as before. Therefore, we will attack them. They are fleeing for us at the first, therefore we, shall, we will flee after them, and you shall rise from the ambush, seize the city, for the Lord your God will deliver it into your hand, and it will be that when you have taken the city, that you shall set the city on fire. According to the commandment of the Lord, you shall do, for see, I have commanded you. So the Lord had a plan to use the previous defeat for a future victory. And so his plan was to utilize that defeat at AI to their advantage. I'm so thankful that our God is able to turn a humiliating defeat into an outrageous victory. Amen? When I look at all the defeats and all the failures I suffered through 17 years of living in the world, and now I get to see the victories that God is accomplishing just in our midst, Oh, it gives me great joy to know that God can turn great victory from horrible defeat. Now, that doesn't mean that I, don't, I won't continue to experience the consequences of my sin. That doesn't mean that I still won't begin and still won't feel the negative effects of my sin. Because I'm going to. Those effects and those consequences, they live on. But God can still make a victory in our long-term Good. 36 warriors killed. Nobody's going to bring them back. Nobody's bringing those dead men back. But God's people were walking out of fellowship with him then. Now they're back in fellowship with God, and God is prepared to do a mighty work in them. Fear and anxiety gripped their lives before. Morale was at an all-time low. But listen here, man, God changed all that. He did a miraculous work, and he did it for the good of his people, and he did for the perfect will of the nation that he loved so much. Listen, friends, he'll do that for me and you too. He'll turn your previous defeat into a wonderful victory if you'll just walk in fellowship with him, if you'll trust him enough to take charge of your life, if you'll yield your life to him and let him do what he wants to do through your life instead of living for self and living for what we want to do. Things can change. Victories can come if we'll just allow it to happen. God can turn our blunders into blessings. And I hate to say it, but I've had a lot of blunders in my life. But I'm prepared now. Now that I'm walking in fellowship with God, I'm prepared for the blessings that are coming. You know, there ain't no politician alive that's going to turn America around. Well, listen carefully. God can. God can turn this nation away, around again, and he's going to use you to do it. So God uses the same strategy that he used that was originally uh, that brought defeat to, to Israel. He says we're going to deceive and we're going to trap those men of Ai. Listen to what happens in verse 9. Joshua therefore sent them out. And they went to lie in ambush. They stayed between Bethel and Ai. That's interesting, amen. On the west side of Ai. But Joshua lodged that night among the people. 
Joshua rose up early in the morning and mustered the people, and he went up, he and the elders of Israel, before the people to Ai. And all the people of war who were with him went up and drew near, and they came before the city, and they camped on the north side of Ai. Now a valley lay between them and Ai. So he took about 5,000 more men and sent them an ambush between Bethel and Ai on the west side of the city. And when they had set the people, all the army that was on the north side of the city and its rear guard on the west side of the city, and Joshua went that night into the midst of the valley. Let me tell you something. Just because I've told you that God will bring a victory through your, from your defeat, don't think that it's going to be a piece of cake. It's never, ever easy recovering lost ground. It's never, ever easy recovering lost trust. Can I get a testimony? It's never easy to recover lost ground. To win back the lost territory, Israel had to go all out. They had to go all out in hand-to-hand -hand combat to win the ground back. They had to go what I like to call commando. They had to go nuts. They had to go crazy in order to get back that lost ground, to regain the trust of God. They had to go commando again. And according to verses 14 through 22, here's some good news for you. God's plan worked. God's plan worked just like clockwork. It worked perfectly. When the king of Ai saw Israel's army, he took the bait, he pursued, he ran after them as they were pretending to, to run away in fear. And that left the city of Ai completely unguarded. At the Lord's command, Joshua then stretched out his spear and his 5,000 men went about face to the charging army of Ai. But here's what happened. That ambush then came up and they were burning the city. So as the men chasing Israel turned around, all they could see was the smoke coming up from their homes. All they could think about is, oh my goodness, what about my family? What about my home? What about my business? The troops of Ai were completely demoralized. And when they saw their homes burning, they, they saw two things. Two things happened. One, they realized, oh my goodness, there's no way of escape. We've got the nation of Israel before us and a burning city behind us. There's no way of escape. Here's something else they realized. Our homes are burning down. What do we have left to fight for? Friend, I want to encourage you today that there's always an escape from your sin. His name is Jesus Christ. And you always have something to live for. And that is a, a relationship with God. In minutes, the soldiers of Ai were smelling the sweet fragrance of a second victory. And then all of a sudden, it turned into despair, knowing that their loved ones were dying and their homes were burning and they had no hope whatsoever. And after killing all the soldiers... Israel re-entered the city and killed everybody inside. But listen to what happened in verse 23. But the king of Ai they took alive and brought him to Joshua. And when it came to pass, Israel made the end of the slaying of all the inhabitants of Ai in the field 
And in the wilderness they pursued them, which they had all fallen by the edge of the sword until they were consumed, that all of the Israelites returned to Ai and struck it with the edge of a sword. So it was that all who fell that day, both men and women, were about 12,000, all the people of Ai. For Joshua did not draw back his hand, with which he stretched out his spear, until he had utterly destroyed all the inhabitants of Ai. Only the livestock and the spoil of that city, Israel took as plunder for themselves, according to the word of the Lord which he had commanded. And so Joshua burned Ai, made it a heap forever, a desolation to this day. And the king of Ai, he hanged on a tree until evening. And as soon as the sun was down, Joshua commanded that they should take his corpse down from the tree, cast it at the entrance of the gate of the city, and raise over it a great heap of stones that remains even to this day. Dead soldiers and citizens of Ai totaled 12,000 people. Plunder was taken from the city as God permitted. And the city was burned and turned into a heap of ruins. The victory for Israel was absolutely total and completely complete. Amen? But listen to this. The recovery of the ground required that they get out of their comfort zone. Are you listening? The recovery of lost ground required that they get out of their comfort zone, even risk their life in order to obey God. The church, when they truly desire to bounce back from defeat, they must stay in fellowship with God. Not only that, they must avoid repeating the same old mistakes. Not only that, they must be willing to risk their very life in order to obey God. Hence the problem. We don't really take it seriously that we have to obey God. But I'm telling you, friends, we do. That's the call of God on our life. Are you willing to risk your life in order to obey God? To bounce back from defeat, you may have to. But to bounce back from a setback, we also have to remember our source of blessings. Final passage this evening, and we'll, or this morning, and we'll leave. In verse 30, now Joshua then built an altar. What do you do in an altar? I can't hear you. You worship, pray, right? That's what you do in an altar. You worship, you pray. So Joshua built an altar to the Lord God of Israel in Mount Ebal. And as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded the children of Israel, as is written in the book of the law of Moses, an altar of whole stones over which no man is wielding an iron tool. But they offered to it burnt offerings to the Lord and sacrificed peace offerings. And there in the presence of the children of Israel, he wrote on the stones a copy of the law of Moses, which he had written. Then all Israel with their elders and officers and judges stood on either side of the ark before the priests and the Levites and who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord. The stranger as well as he who was born among them, half of them were in front of Mount Gerizim, the other half in front of Mount Ebal, as Moses the servant of the Lord had commanded before 
that they should bless the people of Israel. And afterward, he read all the words of the Lord, the blessings and the cursings, according to all that is written in the book of the law. There was not a word of all that Moses had commanded, which Joshua did not read before all the assembly of Israel. With the women, with the little ones, with the strangers who were living among them. It's interesting that Joshua didn't celebrate with a big parade. He didn't celebrate with a victory march. He didn't celebrate with a dazzling banquet. What did he do? He did an unusual thing. He went and he built an altar. He built an altar in obedience to the command of Moses that we find in Deuteronomy 27. He built an altar and he had, had the people of Israel travel 30 miles to this valley between Mount Ebal on one side and Mount Gerizim on the other side. And there he built that altar. And he led people in kind of a renewal service. A renewal service that reminded them that the only reason they obtained victory was because they had been obedient to God. Well, we could use an, a, a renewal service like that, couldn't we? Where we're reminded that the only way you're going to be victorious in life is when you're obedient to God. I know I need that. Maybe we all need that. I mean, think of what kind of moving service that must have been. What an incredibly impressive experience that must have been. Curses upon curses if you don't obey the law. Blessings upon blessings when you do. Notice three closing points with me about this altar. At the same time that Joshua is reading the law, he's also building an altar. The biggest problem I have is I hear the law. See, I've got about 20 copies of this book. I know a lot about what it says, and if I don't know, then all i got to do is open it. I know what this book says. The problem is, is that I don't do what the book says. Amen? Y'all have the same problem I do? We just don't do what it says. So what happened is, is the altar was God's solution to my sin problem. The altar was God's solution to my sin problem, to Israel's, God's people's sin problem. If they failed in doing the law, what were they called to do? They were come, called to come and bow before the altar and ask for God's forgiveness and ask for his power to go forward, to move forward in the Lord. Here's a second point for you. It's interesting that that altar, it wasn't built for people who obeyed the law. The altar was built for sinners. The altar was built for sinners. Sinners like me. And the altar provided the means for God's people to be brought back into fellowship with him. That's what the altar is for. You know, that's what our altar is for. Man, when you feel God tugging on your heart because of something you've done or something you haven't done, man, you need to get right. You need to get right. And sometimes this altar is the best place to do it. Maybe you're out of fellowship with God. Maybe you need to spend some time at the altar. I know I often need time at the altar. But one last thing about this altar. Uh, the Bible says that this altar was built with natural stones without, without any man having touched it. 
In, in verse 31, the altar was to be built of whole stones on which no man has wielded an iron tool. Now, on the surface, that don't sound very significant, but it's significant because of this. Forgiveness of sin is strictly an act of God. There is nothing that man can do about your forgiveness. You don't need to come and confess to me about your sin. I'll lead you in prayer. I'll go with you if you need to do that. But you don't need to tell me that. I'll counsel you. I'll help you through that. I'll help you get back into fellowship with God. But forgiveness of sin is strictly, it's strictly an act of God. See, there is nothing that man can add to salvation. Jesus has done it all. There's nothing that we can add. And even when you blow it, even when you miserably fail and you blow it sky high, God is perfectly able to turn your setbacks into comebacks. Blessings from blunders. So to bounce back after a setback, listen to what Joshua learned. He learned that God never forsakes his children even when they fail. Joshua learned that I need to start learning not to repeat the same mistakes twice or three times or four times or five times. Joshua learned that sometimes you've got to return to the scene of a previous defeat in order to get a victory. Joshua also learned that, that recovery of lost ground very likely is going to be painful and it's going to be costly. It's going to take time. It's going to take blood, sweat, and tears. It's going to take a recovery of trust. Recovering lost ground can be tough. But finally, Joshua learned that God alone, God alone is the source of our blessing. God alone can turn victory from defeat. So friend, I want to tell you that all of this made possible to you this morning it's made possible through Jesus Christ I'll start this message off or in this message the way I started it off are you convinced that you're a child of God redeemed bought back by the shed blood of Jesus Christ are you a new creation that's the promise of God to those who will yield their life to him is it easy being a Christian? Is it easy living according to the rules of God? It's not. Is it a blessing living according to the rules of God? Oh, it is. I challenge you to live the way God designed you to live. Let us pray. Father God, thank you so much for never turning your back on us. Never abandoning us or turning away from us. Thank you, Lord, that the shed blood of Jesus Christ on the cross through his